Hello and welcome aboard the Intergalactic Express, a wild romp through time and space. Today is a beginner's guide to getting your feelings fucked right up. game's gonna fuck you up the beginner's guide that's what <laughs> but before we talk any more about that game because we talked so much about it already i'm gonna introduce you to your crew there's me seth i'm joined by candy hello and also by alex who has very dulcet tones <laughs> <laughs> so what is the beginner's guide candy you're the one that introduced us to it so do you want to uh, talk about it a bit it's a Narrative, a fictional documentary about video games, and Davy Reardon made it, who was the writer of A Stanley Parable. It's great. It is definitely something. And it's good to know that Davy Reardon made it because he is also the character, one of the characters in the game. I mean, it could be a different Davy. It could be a different Davy. He does never say his last name, but also mm. when you're a guy playing Davy and your name is Davy. <laughs> you one, kind one of assume it's the same get Davey. blurred. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of the whole point, isn't it? Yeah. Hmm. How much can we say about the game in general? Like, is, are we saying straight up now? Spoilers, spoilers ahoy? Oh, yeah, like oh, a shit yeah. ton of spoilers. <laughs> it is impossible to talk about this game without spoiling the game. We could try so, to talk about it, like, for a little bit, just about the concept without nah. doing spoilers, or we could just jump straight into it. It's better to go on this game without anything. So I That's would advise true. if you haven't played this game yet, go play it now, and then come back on this episode afterwards, because we will be spoiling it. It is very hard to talk about this game without spoiling it at all. So go do that. Right now we're like a train on the tracks, and you're... You can't uh, stop us. Yeah, you're like lying on the tracks, and if we hit you... Um, you die? <laughs> <laughs> you'll just never... You'll never get to experience this game in the same way. Yeah. And also will kill you. Also that. Yeah. So, what do we think about this game? Wait, Candy, what are you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say that the video that put me onto the beginner's guide was theoretically a review, but they didn't want to spoil it, so it was about five minutes of a man talking straight to camera about how it made him feel feelings. But he couldn't be specific about what the feelings were. Because you couldn't spoil it. So it's just five minutes of this game made me feel feelings, which is really all you need to know. If you haven't played The Beginner's Guide, it will make you feel feelings. Go feel those feelings now before you listen to us feel those feelings. It even made me feel feelings, but they're saying something. <laughs> Nothing does that. I've never seen you experience a feeling in my life. Yeah, especially not. I've felt feelings, what, I haven't felt cry? these feelings. <laughs> yeah, I mean, these feelings are a weird feeling. So, yes, spoiler warning. What do we think about this game? I am going to talk first because I'm already talking. Um, <laughs> I really liked it. It made me feel complicated and weird feelings. And I like a good narrative that can twist my emotions in such a way that it makes me hate myself a little bit. Gave me a headache. Yeah, no, same. Like, I loved it. Don't <laughs> get me wrong. But I, I think after I played it, I just went and laid down for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> It was um, it was this really weird experience where I'm I'm someone who really enjoys things that make me cry, not in like a weird way. Um, my favorite movie is Dancer in the Dark. Um, but I had this thing where I was hating playing it, um, just because it made me feel awful. <laughs> um, like it was beautiful, really, really well done, but the feelings that it creates are so negative and like that's part of the power of it um, that I was just really overwhelmed by how um, awful the feelings are in it I guess. It kind of builds up this great feeling of awe and then completely twists it back onto you into disgust. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it really it really <laughs> builds you up to let you down. Yeah, it does. Candy, what did you think about this game? Um, I'm going to, basically the same stuff that you said, but in the context of having played it twice, because I came out the two times feeling very different about it. The first time I played it, you know, I completely buy into everything that Davey's saying, so it really is like having the floor pulled out underneath you, because you've got these ways of understanding games based on what the game is giving you, and you don't question it, you know, when the game is giving you a way of understanding it, 
you're not going to question it until you really have to. So I completely bought into it. And then as you, and so I was so worried for Coda for most of the game, exactly <laughs> like Davey was telling me to be, the bit where you have to beat up the machine. I was horrified. I was so scared of what Coda was going to do. And um, the second time through, um, when you know what's going on, it just made me feel so sad for Davy because his life is so terrible and everything that he's doing is so terrible and you just want him to realize it. So um, I guess I forgot what the question was. How did the game make you feel? And the answer is... I don't know, it touched on these feelings about creation and what it means to create something and give it to something else that nothing else has ever made me think about or feel before. And I think that's really incredible. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I think the stuff, the stuff that it says is stuff that anybody who's created anything can sympathize with, but it's not something that you actually think about as being an actual thing. <laughs> It's something you feel, but it's not something you think people are actually going to talk about. So when you realise that this is what the game is saying, that was a pretty big moment. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, here's something I'd like to say about the Beginner's Guide. This is a weird one, but um, the first time I played it, I was in Melbourne. I was only in Melbourne for two days. I'd only gone to Melbourne because I was meeting up with family and we were going to go see the Matilda musical that night. So I had a day where I was stuck in stuck in the center of Melbourne. I wasn't doing anything for another five hours, and it was too rainy to go outside. So I was lying in bed playing this game. And when I think back on it from that experience, I mean, Matilda is a great musical, don't get me wrong, but everything I remember about that day was the beginner's guide. That's the... I did some pretty incredible stuff on that day, and the only thing that stuck with me was that experience of playing the beginner's guide. I feel like it would be a pretty weird um, sort of experience to go from playing the beginner's guide to going and seeing Matilda the musical with music to mention. The weird bit is that we went out for dinner before we went to see the musical, so I was trying to explain the beginner's guide to my mum, who does not play video games, and my brother, who does, but not these sorts of video games. And I just wanted so desperately to talk about it, and they just wanted to eat burgers. I can just imagine you crying into your... Into your into my burger. Double mayo cheeseburger. Possibly. That sounds like me. We got zucchini fries. They were weird. Don't get zucchini oh. fries. Oh, you went to that place. What, grilled? Maybe. Went to grilled. I don't know. I had zucchini fries when I was in Melbourne <laughs> and they were really nice. They were very yeah. salty though. You know what? I genuinely don't remember the circumstances of me first playing it. I think you had told me about it, Candy. I think... Yeah. I'm pretty sure... I mean, I'm sure people had told you before, but I really got onto you about playing it. Yeah, and I um remember at PAX last year, uh, we went to a few panels and they mentioned the Burner's Guide at quite a lot of them, but they were like, we can't talk about it because <laughs> we don't want to spoil it, but mm. this is relevant to what we're talking about. And I was just like, how can you not talk about this game at all and not spoil it? And also, how is it relevant to all of these things? And because you had talked to me about it so much and you were like, you have to play this game, <laughs> and then all of these other people were like, this game is really good, I was like, okay, I'm going to actually play this finally. And I did, and yeah, it it did. <laughs> it made me feel real awful, and it, in a way, that made me feel real good because I'm not used to like media. Kind of generally tries to make you feel good about yourself, like especially a lot of games. They kind of try and make you feel like a good person, and mm -hmm. this game is just like, no, you're a terrible person. Think about what you're doing, and I really like that. Oh, I like that in games. Yeah, that's why I keep managing to play Spec Ops. <laughs> it was the sort of thing where you feel really awful, and then you step back for a moment, and then you're like. Wow, it's amazing that I feel so terrible. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, especially, again, sorry, but on a replay, when Davey's like, oh, you can't possibly climb up these stairs, let me just skip you to the end of the stairs. And the first time through, it's like, oh, thanks, Davey, because I was very oblivious to what was going on. And the second time, I was like, Davey, maybe I'm just not meant to climb the stairs. Davey, oh, yeah. maybe it's just Bye. okay how it is. The first time I did it, I did the maze, and I also climbed up the stairs myself. I was like, <laughs> screw you, Davey. I'm going to do it because I can, because Coda built it like that. And then, yeah, in the second replay, I was just like, you know what? I've already done this. I'm going to give me a break. <laughs> How did you climb up the stairs yourself? It gives you an option. He's like, push space. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah he says push space to skip the maze way. and go up the stairs. I mean, I just replayed it as well, so I do remember this. Yeah. 
And, um, then, and the bit in the jail cell, I think you can wait half wait an hour before you actually get let out. I can't remember that bit. I haven't tried it. I'm not patient enough for that. Might be able to. I considered. I think I considered it. I don't remember. We just played this, and I already don't remember. Hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah, you just mentioned Spec Ops, right? You haven't played it. I think. Don't think I've ever played it, right? No. no, I've heard a lot about it though. Yeah, it it has. It reminded me a little bit of Spec Ops, not any like <laughs> gameplay way. Because they're very different games, but the feelings they're trying to evoke are both very similar. Um, I mean, Spec Ops has been talked to death because of it. Like, people know what that game is because that is the game's point. And I gotta say, Beginner's Guide kind of the better because when you play a video game, you're used to committing violence and you know, like, you, you go into the game, you're like, this isn't real violence. I'm committing physical violence and shooting people with guns because this game wants me to. And it's kind of fun to shoot things in a game. So I play Halo. Um, I mean, maybe. But then, Gone. Yeah, and then Beginner's Guy comes along and is like, there are other kinds of violence you can perpetrate. And Ooh, yeah. These are the kinds of violence you don't think about when you're playing games. Like, you can be an awful person in a video game and not really get proper repercussions because when you have a game like Mass Effect or Dragon Age or any game that has like the kind of binary morality system, whether or not you play as a good person or a bad person, the game wants to reward you for either thing you do. So you never get punished if you're a bad person. You get cool rewards, you become stronger you get paid more or whatever. Like, people die, sure, but it's a game, so you're like, I'm not that attached to the person. In this game, because you get the blurring of Davy and Davy, you don't, while you're playing it, you start to not really know whether or not it's actually a fictional or if you're playing a real a real scenario that's been put into a fictional situation as well. Hmm. Um, which you find when you go on the Steam forums and you see all these people being like, we have to find Coda, <laughs> we have to make this better. Yeah, the first or review like, I ever saw, all the comments were like, is it just me or is it kind of unethical to be profiting off Coda's games like this? I hope Davey is giving Coda some money. Yeah, I saw some people yeah, talking hearts. about like, like, isn't we, isn't it unethical for us to have played this game and get like achievements and stuff? And I'm like, you're idiots, this game is fake. <laughs> but it's, it's hard to like, when I first finished the game, I was like, is Coda real? Was yeah. this real? I don't actually know if this is a real experience. And then I think I talked to you and then I Googled it. I was it, like, okay, yeah, it's not a real experience, but it could have been based off of real stuff that we don't know about or like real feelings at least. And even if it's not, it still feels very real. It, feel, it feels so real and the feelings are so powerful that, that you you go out of the game going, this is a like, huge crime against all that is moral and then yeah. you take a step back and you go oh yeah this is this is like an art piece this is yeah. not necessarily based on well it might be based on your things but um, i think it's safe to assume that it, at the very least the games that we play weren't whoever code may have been yeah, I mean, you've got to remember that R is a person, whoever R is. I think R was his roommate or his flatmate. I read that somewhere. In the credits, when the credits say it's for yeah. R. Yeah. I remember I read an article by someone, I don't remember who it was, who was like, I may have been R and I don't know. And I was like, ooh, that's a weird place to be in. But the fact they didn't know means it probably wasn't them. No, I feel like R probably knows. Yeah. That thing you were saying before about how – um. I forget exactly what you were saying, but it made me think of this discussion I was reading about how the more familiar you are with game design and like set design, the more A, relatable the story is, but B, transparent that that conceit is. Because anybody who knows anything about game design knows that the sort of things that Coda is doing is really <laughs> freaking hard to do. Yeah, he's so like, oh, he, made, he made these games in like a month, and you're like, no. So I'm glad that that seemed believable to me. Because I, I, I didn't think it was, I don't think at any point I thought it was real, but I uh, liked being able to immerse myself into that whole conceit. Yeah, when I first played it, I definitely had a lot less knowledge on game design and game building and stuff. Um, and yeah, on my replay, I was like, yeah, there's no way like I would believe now that like this one guy was building these amazing environments in like a month or something. <laughs> and then just like being so perfect and bug free and everything. Like, no, that's not. Or the, level, or the level that looks like it's got um real people in it and all the yeah. conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, all of it's obviously reused assets. Like, it's still a hmm. smallish game. But, um, yeah, the, I think people who don't play or don't design games probably get a lot more out of this game, mm. <laughs> like, emotionally, because they would be more invested in it than people who'd be, like, analyzing the game design. Yeah. I mean, yeah, obviously... I think the moment that you start to overthink and analyze it 
is when you are getting less from it. Yeah. Yeah. Just like with anything, I think if you can't enjoy something on the surface level before, like obviously there's enjoyment and intrigue to be gained from actually analyzing the, the structure of things, but um, I think when you consume media, you have to always consume it at face value the first time you do so. I think this game benefits somewhat as well from, um, I mean, there's people like us who can't help analyzing when they do things, when they play things. Like, I, a lot of games falter for me because I overanalyze the narrative design as I play it. Um, but this game worked well for that the first time I played it because I was overanalyzing in the wrong direction. I was analyzing <laughs> Coda. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you're being led to do. Same. And the worlds and everything. So I was, I was going very, like, very analysis-y into like, what does this mean? Is Davy telling the truth and blah, blah, blah. And then, um, Later on, you realize that Davey has lied about a lot of his, about the games that he's designed and stuff like that. He's like, he changed game meanings, like the room that you go to, you used to clean stuff on loop, and then he's like, and then it ends, and it has to end. And that's the point of this, this whole level is that it ends, you can't stay here forever. And then you find out at the end of the game that that looped forever, it never ended. And so you could stay there forever and keep playing. And it completely changes the meaning of the level, hmm. if the level even meant anything to begin with. It changes <laughs> the meaning of everything you've played. And so, at the end, you're kind of slapped in the face with all the analysis you've done with Davy because it's like, no, none of this is real, and you're yeah. a stick. Well, the bit where you you're, you get to the top of the tower and you see the stop leaving lampposts in all my games, yes. you're just like, oh, my God, I've been misinterpreting everything. Well, because, yeah, he tells you. Like, he makes a point of the lampposts being in every game. It's like he ties – he's like, it ties them together. There's a lamppost, and at the end, he's like, yeah, you find out he put them there, and you're just like, what the hell, Davy? Why are you like this? Yeah, it's it's quite like it's it's a shocking realization that the the meaning that you were shown and told is not actually the arts meaning. It's very appropriative. Mm. Um, it's very. It feels really dirty. Yeah. <laughs> I think on that note, kind of, um, there is the the topic of who, like, obviously, code is not necessarily a real person. But uh, is Coda, uh, Coda and Davy the same person? I oh, I hate that theory so much. I mean, sorry, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I am sorry. It just takes away so much from like what Coda actually does. As like a large part of the story is Coda having their own autonomy and story that they're telling, and then Davy impeding on that or intruding on that and trying to tell his own story through Coda. And I get like the whole like artist and creative, like creative and then like fearful part of you, like fighting and interpreting as that. But the way, like, especially my replay, I tried to play it with the interpretation and it just does not work for Coda for me because it's not Coda trying to be like, I want to show my art and be free from this thing. It's Coda being like, I want to do whatever the fuck I'm doing and not have this asshole <laughs> reinterpreting everything I make. Because it is a lot of it as a reinterpretation as opposed to being too scared to show it. Um, I mean, Coda's not even scared to show it. It's Davey who is wanting to anyways and Coda's just like, meh. It's just, they're just trash things I'm making. Like, he literally called it, like, what, he, it's in his trash or something like that? Um, I mean, like, I totally understand the interpretation, but personally, I don't like it. What about, Co- like, the muse of Coda being Davy, like, the real Davy? Like, the real Davy, Davy Reedman, is both Davy and Coda, in that the creator Davy is showing this metaphor they've created for the summer of Coda rather than having been a real person that he made it wrong. Um, he's sort of trying to make some sort of, like, um, story of self-reflection and self-apology. Yeah, it's possible, but... I can see the metaphorical reading. It's just not a reading that personally interests or appeals to me. It also I mean, kind of takes away from the manipulation side of it and the toxic side of it. Because I mean, it you can not. you can be self manipulative and you can be self toxic, yeah, exactly. but it's not the same as 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 being implicit in that balance with someone else. Like I mean, I've read it a lot as like I've been in similar situations to Coda personally, where like you have somebody who is obsessed with the things you do and is very toxic towards you and won't leave you alone, even though you're just like making very clear no symbols. Um, so I mean, I definitely identify with Coda more than Davy in that place, and. I kind of don't like the idea of taking that story away from people and then being like, it's just an artistic struggle because I've also had artistic struggles and they don't feel like that. Like it's, it's never quite as big as someone coming in and destroying all your work and making it their own. Yeah. No, I don't think it's ever about taking the story away from anyone. Yeah. I think no, ultimately I, what it comes down to is how the, 
like all art, it always comes down to how the person consuming it into, uh, like chooses or, or subconsciously chooses to um, interpret yeah. and consume. And I prefer to interpret in a way that it makes me feel worse. When I play <laughs> <the game. laughs> yeah, no, like. Playing, playing the game, you definitely get the feeling that you, as the character Davy, have personally done something really horrible to another person. Well, you're not playing as Davy. Well, you kind of. You're led along by Davy. You kind of. Yeah, you're led along by Davy. You're entirely implicit in his actions. You you yeah. play as yourself in this game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you're made implicit in his actions. It's also partly like largely. I love. Okay, wait. Okay, I'm gonna go on a choice thing real quickly because I love choice games, <laughs> and this is one of my this is one of my things where this is a game. It has linear choice, but it's got implicit choice in the game. And the implicit choice isn't playing the game. Same thing as Spec Ops. Spec Ops is always like, you have a choice to stop playing the game. I think that was part of like something they said about the game itself. It's like, you don't have to play this game. You can make the choice to stop doing this. And that's part of Beginner's Guide is can, that... Can I interject? Just yeah. uh, when you say that, do you mean like the creators have said I think the you can just put this it. game down and not finish it? I think that's what they said. Or have they put that in the game? It's not in the game, no. So then that... But I think it's something like the creators intended like... You always have a choice, even if it's in a game. You can make the choice, the active choice, to stop playing the game. Mm. Like it was just—it's part of the point. Like it's not necessarily good or bad, but it is part of the point. of The game is that you can stop playing it, and that's your choice to stop being part of this violence because you've put the game down. Um, and I think the beginner's guide kind of does that as well. There are points in the game where you realize that it's getting bad, and you can have that choice. You can be like, "Do I want to keep being part of this emotional pain that I am feeling, or do I want to put this down and not be part of this anymore?" And obviously you're playing a game, so you're not going to put it down. You're just like, no, I'm going to finish the game. You but see where the story goes. Exactly. But it is a point in like some games that like you don't actually have to play it anymore. And I think this game, even though it is a linear story, it has that choice built into it that you could have chosen when the games were impossible. Like when you get to that level and you've got the invisible maze that you can't get through. And there's that like, Davy makes a walkway across it that you can walk across. You could have made the choice then to be like, if this game isn't meant to be played, I'm not going to play it which is what Coda originally intended. Coda originally intended. But obviously you're not going to do that because Davy's leading you along. And then you get to the end of the game, you're like, I did kind of make a mistake. Like, within the fictional world of the game, I kind of made a mistake by going along with this when I did start to realize things weren't right. Um, and that's part of what makes you feel so bad later on is that you did, at least personally I did, like when you get to that final game, you realize that things are not right. I think a part of it is that you can tell that things aren't right, but you can't tell why yeah and so you keep going because you're like i need to know why now right yeah and then and then you realize that's part of what you've done yeah (laughs) and then exactly you've gone far enough that you're like holy shit i've taken it too far yeah uh yeah i'm 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 not a huge fan of the your choice is to stop playing because my choice is very rarely going to be to stop playing because i want to see where it goes yeah so although i understand that the that the game might be presenting stop playing as a choice it's not, I think, it's not no, my I don't favorite think, I'm not saying that's no. a good thing. Like, I'm not mm. saying stop playing a game and don't do that anymore. I <laughs> think it's interesting when games have that as a choice. Like, I don't like think they built it one. on purpose. They're not building it in to be like, you can stop playing this game. But it's part of the game is that you don't have to finish a game. And this game and Spec Ops in particular are two games where they do put you into places where you could feel bad about what you're doing. Like, some people mm. see this game as, like, triggering and stuff. Like, it does put you into bad situations mentally and emotionally, whether or not it's fictional or real. And it kind of does bring up that fact that even if a game is a linear game, it still kind of has that choice. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Like we, we were talking about, we all felt like terrible people yeah. playing. But and like generally, if you feel like you're a terrible person doing something in real life, you're gonna stop doing it. Yeah, but, but in it's games interesting we don't. that games and narratives you feel compelled to continue regardless. Yeah, and that's part of what drives the game is that you made the choice to keep playing I at wonder, the end if it would make a difference to the player if they were prompted to like in the game straight up told at this point you might want to stop playing but that would then present a totally different thing it would yeah Yeah. i think that would be interesting in some games like i would love to see that in some things to see how that choice affects people but um i mean (laughs) that's part of the thing is like it was your choice to play through this game and you continued through when you felt things going bad and so you you are implicit in what happens which is why that's basically what i'm trying to say is that you are implicit in what happens because you made the choice to actively keep playing the game even though we were never going to choose any other choice because it's a game yeah 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 um but that's why it's bad that's why it hurts does a game become futile 
if part of the narrative becomes not playing it. I'm not saying that's what you're saying. Not necessarily. <laughs> if that's what I was trying to achieve, then not. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there are people who could have stopped, who may have stopped playing this game when they start feeling something bad. And so for them, Code is still this guy who made some games, and Davey was a guy who showed the games off. Yeah. <laughs> you get a different story then. Which is. Maybe blissful ignorance. Yeah, it's yeah. Like basically blissful ignorance there. I feel like, wow, Beginner's Guide was a real wholesome story. Yeah. <laughs> sure did love that friendship those two Maybe, people had. Maybe was a real sweet guy. This is something that I completely missed the first time, which is probably my fault for being oblivious because I don't think it's subtle. But what I completely missed the first time is that the whole level in the tower is Coda, is Coda trying to make you stop playing. Yeah. Every, every puzzle there is there to stop you from getting to the top of the tower. It's like Coder is giving Davey, you know, five chances to stop making the wrong decision. And so I could see if, so I can kind of see what Alex was saying about how the game could actually give you the choice. Mostly, I think it'd be something you'd only appreciate on replay, but if you actually had the choice to not climb to the top of the tower and how different would that make the game? But again, you're also, you're not Davey, but you are seeing you are sort of playing from Davy's perspective, and so to miss out on that re- revelation for Davy, revelation for a given value of revelation, the dude is pretty oblivious. Would be I was really sad. Suffer from being given a good choice, I think. Yeah, it, it had you had. To I agree absolutely. Yeah, but the fact that like it's yeah, it's not like a movie or something where you're just kind of like passively watching it, so I'm actively engaging in, which is why you feel so bad. Like if you watched a movie that like if you made a documentary, a mockumentary of the Beginner's Guide. It would not feel the same. You would not oh, get God, the same no. feelings. And that's why games are so good. Well, it's One like that. I, oh, no, go on, Alex. I think, like, it's interesting. You're right about, like, the tower. It seems like Coda's trying to stop David from playing. Mm. But then there is something at the end of the tower. Well, the point is, really, that Coda wants Davy to stop messing around with his games. And the only way to get to the top of the tower is to mess around with all the games. So right, Coda yeah. is really yeah. saying, stop now and we'll be okay. Or persist mm. on what you're doing. And you're going to have to find out how this is making me feel. Yeah. Yeah. I don't that think. The thing that you Coda... just said. Um, sorry, I keep interrupting everybody. No, actually, I was thinking about how I loved Night in the Woods, but the yes. one choice from Night in the Woods, the one part of Night in the Woods that is still with me, the hardest choice in the game, is the bit where May is staring into a mirror and you have to find something about her to criticize. Yeah. That's the one scene that sticks in my head because you have to say something mean. You have to either tell her that she's ugly or she's got a horrible face or something. And the rest of that game was lovely, but that moment when you had to do that is the one scene that really stuck with me. Why can't you say something nice to her? Because you only get mean choices. Because it, it comes up with a mirror yeah. and she stands there and she's looking in the mirror and you play as May. Oh, and so you're, pick, you're picking up from her thoughts and she's like, I look terrible or I've got murder eyes or whatever. Like, She's yeah. just thinking bad things because you're playing, so you can only pick bad things because that's her mind frame. Yeah. And there's always awful things that games do to you that you remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> unfortunate the way that uh, character and uh, player interact sometimes. Mm. Because mm. as the player, you have the control, but the sort of character has control over their own personal feelings. So if you are playing in a game where you are a character or heavily. Um, driven by a character such as like in, uh, the beginner's guide where Davy essentially uh, runs all of your actions. Um, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I, I know what you're talking about. There's yeah. that conflict like you don't have the freedom that you might if you were playing like a your own character. Yeah. If you were just the there's player. this one. You, there's, there's this, this one. Um, oh, sorry. sorry. You just you just have the potential to be negatively tied to the thought of the, the thoughts of the character. Mm. Um, Which or positively is tied good. To the thoughts of the character. Yeah, it's it's good yeah. and it's powerful and it's how uh, like it's it's just it, I feel like an evolution of more classic storytelling. Yeah. Well, when that's the power of games, yeah. and it's also when you can tell when a game has good a good a good game writer slash narrative designer on it slash they're not the same job, but you know what I mean. Um, is that they can line up the player's goals and aspirations and feelings with the character, the player character's goals and feelings and aspirations, but also not making them line up at the right times, like in the, in the woods when you don't want to be mean to May, but you have to be because that's where she is. You remember that. You feel really awful about it. And in this game, throughout the whole thing, like the character you're playing is just you. And so your goals are whatever this, this player character's goals are, which works really well because 
then you're led by Davy, and your goals end up being what Davy wants you to feel because you're playing a game, and so you're going to do what the game wants. Because well, now I want to go on a detour yeah. and talk about this for ten minutes because I was thinking about this when I replayed Transistor recently as well. Yeah. Oh, you know, trans. The thing with Transistor is that you, your character is silent. You've got the narrator, who's basically her boyfriend, who narrates the whole game and keeps giving you advice on what to do. And the first time through, it's very easy to think that everything that he's saying and everything that he's talking about is how your character feels as well. But there's a couple of points where she gets to just, she gets ways of expressing herself where she turns out to be quite different than what you think and at the end she makes some decisions that you wouldn't have expected her to make and the whole point of it is that you're being what you're really doing is being presented her character from the transistor's perspective and she's actually got a whole lot going on that you're not going to see unless you're really thinking about it so the whole thing of presenting a perspective and saying this is your character's perspective but is it the right one is it actually what's going on is it this character's perspective there's a very well-known piece of interactive fiction. This is a big detour, but I've been telling staff to play it for a while and I don't think you've got a chance. And you probably shouldn't because it's not great, but it's called Ramesses and it's you're playing as a teenage boy whose life is shit because he's kind of a shithead. And you play through a couple of scenes in his day and basically he'll be in a situation where he should act and if he acts, something good might happen to him. But no matter what you type... He'll just be like, I can't do that. I'm a, I'm a mess. I'm anxious. I'm I'm a trash bag because he is. And he doesn't do anything. And it happens like six times. You know, do you get him to help the kid being bullied? Do you get him to kiss the girl? And no matter what you say, he refuses to do it because that's just not something he could do. And it's a fascinating experience, but it's a very good portrayal of what it feels like to be an anxious, shitty teen. Mm. <laughs> just going back a little. Um, Seth mentioned uh, about like. Uh, game writers um, trying to align the players' uh, desires and feelings and stuff with the stuff, very, very technical, <laughs> um, with the characters, yeah. and that just makes me think of uh, Dungeons and Dragons actually, because mm. um, <laughs> I've been doing a lot of um, dungeon mastering uh, lately, and it's so difficult sometimes to motivate like i'm just amazed when game writers can manage to align those two things um because sometimes in dungeons and dragons it can be so difficult to motivate the players to uh follow the natural plot line of uh the uh of the campaign um when maybe that's actually not what they their characters would do but it's such a um such a, a wide and loose um, format that if you're not some amazing um, <laughs> on-the-spot thinker and planner, uh, there has to be some degree of linearity, and if you weren't prepared for that, um, because they're not your characters, you don't choose how they react to other people's characters, then you get into like a spot bother. Uh, yeah, you yeah. have to do that with um, narrative design as well, is that you design the framework and then you kind of let the player do whatever the hell they want because you can't really control them. Yeah. You've got to try and plan for as many of those things as you can. I mean, I think um, some people have given me advice for D&D. They're like, write all your notes and throw them away before the campaign starts. <laughs> and I was like, all right. I'm really excited to start DMing because I am a very spontaneous person myself. And so, yeah, so I, I'm, what are you gonna be DMing D and D? Uh, the Star Wars RPG because I know Star Wars oh, nice. way better than I know D and D. Yeah, good call. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. It can be really hard to align the players' goals with the characters' goals, which is where a lot of games can fail. And that's one of the strong points of the Beginner's Guide is because I think it doesn't really give your character the print on. It's just you playing through something as yourself. Mm. You well, are you are the audience. Davy as the narrator, as the presenter. Yeah, but you're sort of he, not him. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But he imparts, he says he, what he wants from you. Yeah. He wants you to uh, play through these games and let him tell you his story. And you, because you, you've bought this game, you're going to play it. You're like, mm-hmm. yes, that's what I want to do. Um, and then you get to that the end where it's too late, kind of. Yeah. Like it feels like it's too late to stop playing. And you're just like, this isn't what I want to do, but Davy still wants you to. Mm. By the end, you've sort of realised that all Davy really wants is for you to like him. Yeah, he kind of failed. And you're like, oh, Davy, oh, Davy. Someone to think he's not at all. Yeah, 
Davey's going Sorry, Davey. <laughs> yeah, and having yeah, <laughs> Davey there is definitely a big part of why you line up with the player, or the character, rather. It's also largely because you know how games work, and so you're like, I pick up the game and I want to play it, and the game is telling me to do this thing. And it's also, mm. also the mockumentary, the documentary feeling of it kind of helps as well, is that you feel as if you're in a documentary, so you're like, oh, I just have to see where this goes and explore it as much as I can while I'm yeah. interacting with it, because it's an interactive documentary, at least it begins as one, and we've all watched documentaries, so we know how they work. You don't expect to be made part of it. You don't yeah. expect to be made to feel like Implicit. you're one of the bad guys. Yeah. Yeah. It really, it really just throws you, um, what's the expression? Throws you through a loop? Throws you for yeah. a loop? For a loop? For a loop. Yeah, I can't believe, usually I'm not in this bad expression. What's happening? <laughs> so one more thing I want to talk about with this game. So being thrown through a loop would just be like... <laughs> dogs. Oh. <laughs> dogs? Circus tricks. Dogs yeah. through a loop. through a loop. I was thinking of lions and flames and shit. Yes. Cool stuff. Okay, um, okay, yeah, one one other thing I want to talk about before we um finish this was Coda and the interpretation of Coda being a woman, potentially. Oh, Coda is absolutely yeah. a woman. This is my favorite theory. Yeah, I know, because a lot of the, like, when you're playing the games, um, when you're playing Coda's games as Coda's player character, as opposed to just yourself, particularly, um, you're always referred to as a woman, and when you see the person trapped in the prison who's just crying, they are a woman crying. They're the only real human that you see in the entire games. And so, I mean, it's possible Dakota's not a woman, but also it's entirely possible Dakota is a woman and Davy's just a shitbag. <laughs> I mean, I'm pro anything that makes Davy seem worse. Having said this, I don't want to shit on Davy endlessly. The most heartbreaking part of the game for me is still... Davy's revelation that I think I might have done something stupid because I don't like myself. Yeah, but when he's is like, still my favorite line in the game. I don't know what the line is or anything when he thinks that he he's like trying to figure out whether or not he actually hurt Kodo without realizing. Oh, Davy. Yeah, I do like the self awareness that Davy shows is impressive because a lot of people don't ever reach that point. <sighs> and actually seeing that in a game, like seeing someone do such awful things and then actually being able to be like, you know what? I actually did do something bad, and it's too late to fix it now, but I'm still going to fix myself as I am. And I think that's a really important thing to see in games and in stories in general, because you just don't see that either they get forgiven for what they did or they're just forever a bad person. And by the end of it, you feel like Davey's taken a step in a good direction. I think you do see that maybe in like TV and movie, but because it's that's such that's, it's a less immersive... Um, well, you do see it in TV, but movies in, less so because they're smaller. Yeah, in TV. It, but just because they're less immersive than video games, because video games is the way um, actively involved to some extent, um, the revelation just feels so much more personal and real. It's very third person almost in TV shows. Partly. Partly also just I'm thinking of all the dads that do shitty things and they get forgiven <laughs> straight away. So, I mean, <laughs> point, but also yeah. a lot of characters never get that point anyways. Yeah. Even when they have done something bad and they could come back from it, they don't. Yeah, let's not go down the rabbit hole of dad <laughs> Shitty fiction. Dad. <laughs> Maybe we need to do an episode about dad fiction. Oh no, we it's, absolutely do. Oh right god! Now. Oh shit! I mean, you guys are just trying to fuck me up. Dating some just came out. Oh god! Yeah. For anyone who's not familiar with this, I have a real thing for parent characters in 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 media. So this is kind of alarming for me. Canty loves her sad dads. Her sad bad dads. I I, I love I. That, that that makes it sound I like stories about parents being sad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what are you having? It's a, just that there are more sad bad dads than a sad bad mom. Well, my parents are great, I think, so that makes me want not great parents. Yeah, see, I'm the opposite. <laughs> no, like, my parents are super affectionate and gross, so I like stories about parents that don't get along, I suppose. Yeah. They're very positive, yeah. The fantasy. <laughs> So yeah, if you want to do an episode about sad bad dads, I'm here for it. We got to do that one day. But I think we got distracted from what we were actually talking about. I've had friends who really dislike the epilogue, and I, f- I find the epilogue is a little. I'm not sure how I feel about the epilogue. No, it's a weird. The whole sequence in the train station. I forget it exists. Just... Yeah, like exactly. <laughs> I forget it exists. It's just. Yeah, me too. And then it sort of took me by surprise when I was playing it the other week. It doesn't. I don't want to say it feels unnecessary, but I think... It does, though. Yeah. It does. <laughs> it's necessary for Davy's character, it's, but it's unnecessary for the game. Yeah. yeah. I think 
after the tower, you just have this, you're very overwhelmed and kind of shocked. And then it just keeps going, winds down mm. too quickly. I always hate it when that happens. I hate, okay, this is the thing, is I hate closure. <laughs> I hate complete closure. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. It depends. Uh, in the J.J. Abrams movie, I hate it when he does I hate it. I hate it. I hate it when he doesn't give me closure because J.J. Abrams is really bad at it. But I love it in games or books or movies or whatever, and they make you feel real awful, and then they kind of leave you with that awful feeling. Um, and you'll find it if you read any of my favorite books, you'll find that feeling at the end of every single one of them. Um, <laughs> Did you like Gone Girl? I haven't seen that or read it. I liked it. I'm going to read that one day. Um, but that's why the like epilogue makes sense for the story because you get Davy's kind of resolution there and you get a bit of like calm down time with the game. But I also hate it because I don't want that. I want the game to end on me feeling like shit and just leaving me. How does the game end before it goes to the epilogue? What, what, I mean, it's the whole sequence when you're in like the museum of messages. Davy just goes like, I need to, I have leave. some work to do. Yeah. And then he comes back again and says more. He comes back Is in the epilogue, it? I think. He doesn't say anything because I feel like the epilogue there. ends with the the epilogue ends with him going and thinking or putting going away for a bit. Oh, is that when he leaves? I think he maybe he leaves twice. I can't actually remember which tells you something like about how it goes. Breakdown. Yeah, I think he has the breakdown, and then in the epilogue, he's slightly more put together. He comes back, yeah, and he's like slightly more put together. I don't know. We just played. This is yeah, not much. We yeah. should the really epilogue. Remember so little of the epilogue, sort of. I think yeah, speaks to its relevance. I remember that it ends <laughs> with you walking into the uh, the laser that's meant to kill the player. Oh uh, yeah, makes you I do like that. And then bit, you actually. float up above everything. Mm-hmm. So I like the bit where you're floating up above everything. Yeah, you walk into laser and you float above all the stuff. Oh yes, that's cool. No, I like I that. Like I wish that. the game. I, I like the game ending on that, but I don't because. I know it's a game, and when I'm playing, I know it's a curated game experience, but I'm also, like, the epilogue with his whole, like, little bit there is very <laughs> scripted and rehearsed feeling. I feel like I need to jump on YouTube and rewatch the epilogue just so I don't say anything too <laughs> shit about it. Like, there's nothing wrong with it, but it feels like it makes it too obvious it's a game, which the rest of the game tries to not do too much. Like, you know it's a game, but, I mean, at the end, it doesn't matter so much because you've already gone through it and had the bad experience, but, again, it's just more of that I don't want that closure. I don't want to be given that sense of satisfaction <laughs> that everything is going okay, to be okay. Okay, I found the dialogue from the epilogue. I found it on the wiki, and yeah, it's 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 sort of bringing out a whole lot of the themes and making them really explicit. Yeah, yeah. Like the dialogue is more, 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 more love, more praise, more people telling me that I'm good. It's like a disease. Yeah, no, that's exactly. Maybe it. Yeah, I thought like, he. Maybe if I thought he just liked making prison games, I wouldn't have told people he was depressed. Uh, if I knew my life depended on finding something other than validation to be driven on, what would that even be? The thought of not being driven by validation is unthinkable. It's not hugely necessary. Yeah, yeah. And then it ends with, "I feel like I have a lot of work to do. I have a lot that I need to make up for. I'm just going to." Okay. I don't know. It doesn't feel necessary. Yeah. I agree. I see why well, they I'm going to go necessary, look up. but it's not necessary for me. I'm actually going to double check how the tower scene ends. He has his breakdown. Scene. Like, in that, when you're in that room that's closing and he's in that breakdown. Oh my god! This is, yeah, 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 I found it. Please start making games again. Please help me. Give me some of whatever it is that make you complete. I want whatever that holdness that you just summoned out of nothing and put into your work. You were complete in some way I never was. I want to know how to be a good person. I want to know how not to hate myself. Please, I'm fading, and all I want is to know that I'm going to be okay. Yeah, and that's when the doors or the walls are closing to you in the dark room. Yeah. Oh, that's I feel creepy, like yeah. you could have added like one extra line of a little bit of that epilogue and then not had the epilogue. Yeah. But I kind of like that all I want to know is that I'm going to be okay. It reminds me of the Bojack Horseman episode that ends with him asking if someone can tell him that he's a good person yeah. and it just ends. Yeah, you know what? Davey reminds me a lot of Bojack. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think, I mean, I think in general when you're making a commercial game, you need the epilogue mm-hmm. to kind of, because people are stupid. Gamers you are stupid do, in general. You have to, you have to give that resolution. Yeah. <laughs> you have to you have to get that resolution and you have to make sure that everybody actually understands what they just played. So the epilogue for a commercial game makes sense. But as a player, as a player, I don't need Davey to tell me that he can't not be. Dri- we don't need David to say that he's driven by validation because we kind yeah, of. Yeah, we got don't, that but other players may have, which yeah, is why yeah. it exists. We are just. We partly enjoy the pain of not having that resolution 
also know how media works and we can analyze it relatively well. Yeah, I, I want the game to end with Davy feeling more shit and less like he's going to go get a redemptive arc, I suppose. I like that desperate point of ending rather than the I have a lot of work to do. As a writer, I can see, as Davy writing it, I can see the need to put in the self-reflection, otherwise you're leaving yourself on a pretty shitty point. <laughs> Especially if he is, yeah, Davy. Yeah. I'm sorry, we're laughing at the notes. What, what's in the notes that's so funny? Because we were just talking about the epilogue in the notes. You wrote, um, beloved friend, I have to go to a mass lecture. Tweet me if anyone has any sweet revelations. And I added, is that what Davy said at the end of the epilogue? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I do like that final summary of the game in a nutshell at the end of our, doc, at the end of our notes. Coda, friendo, I'm sorry I fucked up. You fuck up. <laughs> I guess so, I'm Davy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a pretty accurate assessment. I'm so proud of Coda in this game. Mm. I'm so proud of Coda for what Coda does at the end. Yeah. Like, Davy's freaking out, but I'm like, Coda, way to go, buddy. You cut that toxicness out yeah. of your life. The way Coda stands up for themselves is really powerful. It's really hard to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate Coda a lot. I appreciate, I really love Coda's character in this. And like, yeah, I really, I really appreciate Coda's character because they're kind of portrayed as like this passive, depressed, useless character in the entire game. And at the end, they actually take a stand and entirely rewrite everything. And it was like, yeah, holy shit, you go, Coda, you go. Live your life. That was just how Davy saw Coda. Yeah. Davy had to make Coda pathetic to make Davy feel better about himself. And that Coda is actually really got a lot of shit sorted that Davy doesn't want you to realise. Yeah, yeah. like <laughs> Davy saying that Coda has like that wholeness to them. I can understand him being that on that light note. Any other thoughts on this game before we wrap it up? I think a lot of the independent games that Coda has designed, a lot of them are really love lovely games. Like they don't have much going on. But I really like the game where you're just cleaning up around the house, it's very relaxing. That was yeah. my favourite. The game with the, the prison game where you call yourself in the past to tell yourself that it's going to be okay. I love that. That yeah. was painful too, yeah. I really, really love the dialogue in Coda's games. Yeah. Yeah, Coda's got an knack for dialogue. Like, it's, it's some really impressive. Impressive? What's the word I want? Inspiring? No. Just heartfelt dialogue. I love the bit where you're just wandering around in the... Uh, Massive online game that wasn't actually a massive online game. I think I've read <laughs> every cool. single line of dialogue. Oh, I read both all times. Those, yeah. I read most of them. Like, you know, <laughs> I read all of them the first time and the second time. I only read a few because I was like, I've read tons. But I love the ones that are just like being smart asses about Coda. <laughs> 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 Any final thoughts, Alex? Yeah. Um, if either of you ever make me play a game like this again, I'm not going to talk to you. Um, don't play Edith Finch then. No, definitely no, play Edith Finch. <laughs> we need to talk about that. We're going to do an Edith Finch episode. Maybe next time. We need to talk about Edith Finch. Are they dads in it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should have been the uh, inter-dad-lactic. Inter, inter Actually, that sounds terrible. That, you don't want to put inter and dad together. That's awful. Never say that word again. Intergalactic dad. Dad. Dad priest. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Alright. I have nothing but oh, regret. God. On that high note, Thank you. let's finish this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us on the Intergalactic Express. We hope you enjoyed your journey. Alex has made a real worried face, like nobody's going to enjoy this journey, and that's fair. I am, as I said before, Seth. You can find me on Twitter at Wanda Luston. You can find this network at NSFW Podcasts. I'm going to talk a little bit more about the network after wrap up. You can also find me at my site, notsafework.com, which is also where this is hosted. Alex, where can people find you online? You can find me online in your wildest dream. <laughs> no. That's not even acceptable. On Pornhub. Okay. Um, you can find me online at Heroes Feast on Instagram. That's like the plural of heroes. Um, heroes Feast, like the Dungeons and Dragons spell. Um, or you can find me at Prince of Juniors, if you've ever played episode four. Prince of Junes, otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Candy, where can people find you? I am on Twitter at Canty Antics. That's C-A-N-T-I Antics. That's it. All right. And the Intergalactic Express is part of the Not Safe Work Network, podcast network even, um, which is a network directed by me, Seth, the Not Safe Work person. We also have four other shows, I think. I could be wrong there. 
um, that you can find on our main network feed, not Seth Warwick, on iTunes, Stitcher, Feedbrenner, whatever. You can also find us and subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Feedbrenner, Podbean, all of, all of the things, basically. People Google Play, because fuck them. Um, at the Intergalactic Express. If you like us, follow us, subscribe to us, leave us a review, because reviews are the best thing ever, and we will love you, and we will probably read it on the show to yeah. express our undying love for you, or our undying hatred if it's a one-star Aww. review. <laughs> and talk Aww. to us. We're, have we got a Twitter? We do not have a Twitter, because we, we, I keep getting to We're going to set up a Twitter. Yeah. And maybe Seth will edit in a voice line over the scap of silence just now. Or maybe I'll be too lazy. Or maybe she won't. Yeah. <laughs> so that has been us for this week. I think we're back in two weeks. Did we decide on that? I think we said two weeks. Yeah. Okay, we're going to be a two-weekly podcast, as in What's once every week? two weeks. That means a different thing in America. What? That means twice a month. In North America, they use bi-weekly. Bi-weekly, that's Is that not twice a week? <laughs> bi-weekly. No, that's twice a week. I mean, look, the definitions. One, occurring once every two weeks. Two, occurring twice a week. It's like the, diff- the difference between biennial and biannual. We will be here in two weeks' time again with another episode. Um, what was our sign-off? Thanks for writing. Thanks for riding on the Intergalactic Express. Choo choo! choo. Yeah, I fucked it up real bad. Thank you for... <laughs> Why were you looking at me like you were waiting for me to say something? I was waiting for you to like, interrupt me. <laughs> but it didn't happen. And then I interrupted myself. Anyways. So that Sorry to interrupt. I swear to God. <laughs> this has been the Intergalactic Express. This is a really hard name to say. This has been the Intergalactic Ooh, there's already a discussion on my Twitter about people hating <laughs> Sorry, were you about to do something? Alex did like a countdown clap for me, and then you oh, started is, talking. Is that what it was? I heard a countdown clap. <laughs> <laughs>